from the book of Ezra. The book of Ezra. I know lately we've been hearing a lot of books. New books. They may be new to us, but they're as old as the ages. We look today at the book of Ezra. chapter 1. And we began reading with verse 1. These words you find. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all the kingdom and put it in writing saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him an house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who there, who is there among you of his people? His God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God, which is in Jerusalem. And whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, let the men of his place help him with silver and with gold, and with goods and with beasts besides the free will offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Amen. I, I want just for a few minutes I want to talk about from this subject. God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. There are many who have disappointed you along the way. There are many who have told you that they would and they didn't. There are many who have told you that they wouldn't and they did. But it, when it comes to God, God never fails. He will always do exactly what he promised to do. Uh, 
this morning's message, the message is centered around one central teaching. And that is that God will do what he says he will do. In other words, God cannot lie. You can, I can. But God cannot lie. Once God makes a promise, once his word is spoken, there is no demon in hell that can stop it from coming to pass. If God says it, that's it. Skeptics have raised many questions. Philosophers have debated and nobody has ever been able to find one time that God lied. Again, I say, if God says it, that sells it. I know, I know in these years, in recent years, we have added another line in there. We say, if God says it, I believe it, and that settles it. But I need to let you know that it really doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. Yes, if God says it, that settles it. But then my brothers and my sisters, even among Christians, Christians, we have our own set of questions. We are left with a set of questions. How does God do that? How, how, does, he, how, how does he exist using people like me? How, how do I fit in God's plan? I know if he uses me, I know that I can mess up. How in the world, how can he work his plan, his perfect plan, with folk who are not perfect? God has a plan, God has a plan, and then he's going to use me with my disobedient self. What if I am disobedient? Will that stop or will that hamper God's plan at all? But even in all of that, my brothers and sisters, we might question ourselves, but there is never a question as to whether or not God will do what he says. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, but God never fails. There's a question, if there's a question, the question is, how will God do it? How does God do it? How does God, does God do it? Well, God maintains. How does God maintain this perfect record of being faithful? How does he maintain this perfect record of always keeping his promise? Read the Bible and you'll see that God uses people. God uses people. All nature is at his beck and call. He can use anything. And you sort of wonder why in the world out of all the stuff that God has at his disposal, why in the world would he fool with a man? Everything else that God created 
has done and does exactly what God created to do, but only man. Man has tried to do everything but what God assigned him to do, but God uses man. If he wanted to, I know the Bible says that even the winds and the waves obey his will. If he wanted to, he can cause a donkey to talk for him. It's in the Bible. If he wanted to, the Bible, according to the word of God, he could even make the rocks cry out. But somehow he chooses to use men. He uses people. He uses people. And, and all through the word, we see him using people to carry out all of his mighty works. Not perfect people. Are y'all hearing this? Not, not per- and there's a good reason why God doesn't use perfect people. Can't find none. He doesn't use perfect people. He uses imperfect people. Yes, here it is. He uses people who are saved and sanctified. But I need to tell you, God can also use people who are low down and dirty. I, I just helped somebody there. Yes, yes, he uses people who are rich, people who are mighty, but God also uses people who are down and out. What have I got to witness here? God can use anybody when it comes to keeping his word, when it comes to keeping his word, when it comes to fulfilling his promise, God uses anybody to say the day you see right in the text, right in the text that, that God uses people in high places right in the text he uses leaders he uses kings in the text we also see God uses his own people but in the text we also see that God uses others people who do not even claim him to keep carry out his promise the text starts here look at this the text starts with a Persian king Persian king whose name is Cyrus. You remember last week, last week there was a group of people who left Babylon and headed back to their homeland to rebuild the temple. But after almost a hundred years, they still hadn't built the temple. About a hundred years, all they had was the altar and the foundation. But this week we got Ezra and his crowd going back. And, and, and now there is this king whose name is Cyrus. And if you remember, Cyrus is the one who, 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 who set the people free. You remember, the people of God had been captive in Babylon now for 70 years. And now God has overthrown Babylon, the, 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 city, the city of Babylon. And now the, the, the Persians have gone in and taken over Babylon. So now, they're still there, but they're under new leadership. Are y'all hearing me? No longer are the Babylonians in charge. Now, the, the, the Persians are in charge under King Cyrus. So now, although they're still in this strange place, the new leader, Cyrus, the king, the king. Now, now let me remind you now that Cyrus was not a Jew. Cyrus was not counted among God's chosen people. 
But, but, but the prophecy of Isaiah, go back and read Isaiah 45 and 1. Isaiah refers to him years and, and matter of fact, matter of fact, centuries before he got here, Isaiah referred to him as the Lord's anointed before he got here. Isaiah already talked about him. Isaiah, yeah, yeah, centuries before he got here, Isaiah prophecy in, uh, in uh, Isaiah 44, 28, he told that God was going to use this man to rebuild Jerusalem and the temple. That was before he ever got there. Here it is. God will anoint folk that he didn't necessarily appoint to do what it is that he has to do. Are y'all hearing me? God will single out folk and anoint them to carry out what it is that don't even, are y'all hearing? Yeah, yeah, anoint folk that he didn't even appoint. In this text, you see, you see, Cyrus was not one of the children of God. He was not one of the Jews. He was not one of God's chosen people. He was just the king because his daddy was the king. But now he finds himself being used by God in the text so, 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 so that the word of the, the Lord, look, look, look why, why God used Cyrus. It's right there in the text. It's right there in the text. Look at why he used him. He says, he, I used Cyrus so that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. Now, y'all remember? A few months ago, I told you, Jeremiah told them that they would be there for 70 years. You remember that? Jeremiah said that you're going to be in captivity, and after 70 years, you'll be set free. God goes to Cyrus, and he says to Cyrus, I've made my children a promise that in 70 years they'll be set free and I'll use you. Are y'all hearing me? So he uses him. He says that, that, that yeah, yeah, because God had put his word out there, you'll be here for 70 years. So now God uses Cyrus. But look at verse 1. The Bible says, the Lord stirred up. Is that in your book? It says that the Lord stirred up the spirit in Cyrus. The king. Now that if that sounds familiar, that, that's because God did something similar to that when, when they were in Egypt, coming out of Egypt. The Bible says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. You see, God can do whatever he wants to. Yeah, with whoever he wants to. No, it says that God stirred up the heart of Cyrus the king. Just trying to show you that God is in complete control. Proverbs 21 and 1. Proverbs 21 and 1. Sometimes when you get a chance to read that, it'll give you comfort. Proverbs 21 and 1 says that the king's heart is like a stream of water in the Lord's hands. He directs it wherever he chooses. Get that? The king's heart. The king's heart is like a stream of water in the Lord's hand. He directs it wherever he chooses. The king's heart is like a stream in the Lord's hand, and the Lord directs it. Are y'all hearing this? That, that's why, that's why, I, oh yeah, I have concerns, but I ain't losing my mind over the political climate in this nation right now. Y'all hear me, huh? 
I'm concerned, but I'm not losing my mind about what's going on in Washington, not losing my mind about the political climate of this nation because I know that ultimately God is in control. And God has promised good to me. Are y'all hearing me? If God has promised good to me and he will deliver what he has promised me, even if he has to use Donald Trump to do it. Are oh, y'all hearing me? I, I, I'm not up in my God will fulfill every promise that he has made. Are oh, y'all hearing me? And he will use whoever he needs. I don't even know if people sometimes, powerful folk in high places, think they run and stuff. I don't think they realize how out of control they are. I was, I was passing by the TV yesterday. I really wasn't looking at it. Passed by the TV yesterday and all this stuff going on. I heard, I heard a, a voice saying that 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 is that that yes, this nation does discriminate against black people, and, and racism is real in this nation. And at some point, we have got to address the problem of racism. And I, you don't hear that kind of talk on TV. And I, I just stopped and turned around to look, see who it was. Newt Gingrich. Are y'all hearing this? Newt? Newt, out of all folk, Newt Gingrich talking about we got to do something about, right now I know he woke up this morning thinking he had a bad nightmare. I, I pray probably today he can't even figure out himself why he even said that. But I'm here to help you find, I, I'm here to help you understand. Yeah, it's just like a stream of water in God's hands. And he, are y'all hearing me? Tell you, God, God controls kings. God controls leaders. How else? How else can you explain? How else can you explain a black man with a strange African name like Barack Obama. How can you explain him being elected twice as president of a nation that doesn't like him yet? Are y'all hearing me? That's God. There's no other way to explain that. God steps in and makes people do stuff. They don't even realize God is who raises. He's the one who raises up leaders and puts them in places and uses them to his glory to carry out his promise. Here to tell you, I'm here to tell you that God works in the hearts of leaders. Their hearts are like strings in the hands of God. He directs them like he chooses. But then we move on to the next thing right here in the text. Verse 3 says that God uses his own people. He uses his people. Look at verse 3. Who among you, who among you, of all his people, is God be with him? And let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord. We're getting ready to build the house of the Lord. And what he's doing, he's calling on his chosen people. 
the people who are called by my name. Not only will I use the king, not only am I in charge of the king, but I want to use my own people to go in now and rebuild the temple. I want you to go in. I want you to go in, and I want you to rebuild the house of the Lord in Israel. God uses people to do his will. And this, my brothers, is a concept that every Christian needs to learn. God saved you. God sanctified you so that he can use you. God thought you were worth saving. Quiet yourself. God thought you were to die for. Are y'all hearing me? And yeah, yeah, and, and he did that because he wants to use you. We get it all twisted with our saved selves. Many of us sitting around waiting on God to do what he saved us to do. Are y'all hearing me? We sit around with our long laundry list for God. Lord, I want you to go by the hospital. After you get through the hospital, Lord, stop by the jail. When you get through there, Lord, just swing by the nursing home. And bless sister so-and-so. And then come into my neighborhood and bless my neighbor. And Lord, last of all, Bless poor me and my house. Are y'all hearing this? What's wrong with you? You go by the hospital. God saved you. He saved you to use you. Why don't you go by the hospital? When you get, the th get through the hospital, you go by the jail and see somebody. And after you get through the jail, why don't you go see somebody at the nurse? Are y'all hearing me? God wants to use you. Don't just stop right there. You can speak a blessing on your own house. You ain't got to have him. Just running God to death doing what he has saved you. What he has saved you to do. Yes, God can. And God will do all of that. But why do you think he saved you? You go. You go. Let God use you. We, we used to sing a song when I was little. God has no hands but my hands. God has no feet but my feet. He needs my tongue to speak his praise. Lord, let me live from day to day. Suffer my hands to work for thee. Suffer my feet to walk for thee. Lord, let my body be a temple for you. I'm just trying to say, God, if you're saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, God wants to use you. Then finally, God will use folk around you. See, right there in the text. God, God will use people who are around you. Look at verse 4. He'll use people around you. And, and, and let me say this. These don't necessarily have to be folk who are in your corner. Y'all hear me? These are some of the same people who had been holding them captive. These are some of the same people in Babylon who have, who have held them in captivity for 70 years. I wonder if there anybody else in here who has ever been blessed by your enemies. <laughs> anybody ever been blessed 
Oh, they didn't mean to bless you. They didn't mean to bless you, but is there anybody here that somebody did it for evil? I got a witness of it here that God is able to turn that thing around. He'll turn that thing around. And I know, I know they didn't even know they were blessing you. I said all the time, I said, some of the folk knew what God was doing with some of the mess they threw at me, they'd leave me alone. Because God takes every trial and turns it, are y'all hearing me? Turns it into a blessing. So people who don't even know they're blessing you, they bless you, they didn't know they were blessing you, they, they didn't mean to bless you, but God took their evil works. Look at what God did here in this case. In verse 4, it says, And, and whosoever remain high, yeah, high, in, high in any place where, where he sojourned, he said, Let men of this place help him with silver. And we go, Now, these are the same folk that have been holding him in captivity. He says, On your way out, stop by and get some silver. <laughs> Y'all ain't hearing me, huh? On your way out of here, on your way back to where I promised you were going, stop by and knock on your neighbor's door and ask him for some gold. Y'all ain't hearing me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, stop by. Yeah, they're going to give you silver. They're going to give you gold. They're going to give you any kind of beast that you need. And then on top of that, they're going to give you a free will offering. Won't God do it? Won't God do it? Folks, folk, don't anybody ever, I, I'm, 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 I'll shout by myself. Anybody ever been blessed by somebody that didn't mean to bless you? I wonder if there is anybody in here that knows God will take what somebody means for evil and work it for your good. God can use anybody. You see him go by the house and say, by the order of the king, I come to get my stuff. <laughs> Y'all hear me? By the order of the king, I come to get my stuff. As a matter of fact, they're taking up this special offering and sending it back. For what? For the building of God's house to restore the kingdom in Jerusalem. God uses kings. God uses people in high places who don't even know they're being used. God uses his own people, those who are called by his name. But God will even use your enemies, folk who don't want to see you prosper. God will use them. God will use whoever he pleases. I want you to know that God uses all of these folk. But today, my challenge, when I, as I go to my seat, God wants to use you. God wants to. I need to make it personal here. The same God who uses kings, the same God who uses a those that he has saved, sanctified, filled with, the, the same God that will even use your enemies. Let's make it personal. He wants to use you now. The condition that the world is in right now, the things that we're seeing going around us right now, God wants to use you to turn things around. He wants to use you. Can he count? Can he count on you? God wants to use you. The harvest is plentiful. But laborers are few. Can God count on you? God has need of workers to go out into his vineyard. I'm just asking, can he count? Can he count on you? 
I'm glad, personal testimony, I'm glad that 60 years ago, God saw something in me worth saving. 60 years ago, 60 years ago, God saw something in me that was worth dying for. 60 years ago, the way they said it back then was, I heard the voice of Jesus say, come unto me and rest. Lay down thy weary one, lay down thy head upon my breast. But then that was a response. Yeah, the writer says, I came to Jesus. I came to Jesus as I was. I was weary, wounded, and sad. I found in him a resting place. And he has made me glad. And since that day, God has been using me. I'm not bragging. That's just a fact. Since that day, God has been using me. But let me help somebody out. Don't pile praises on me. Are y'all hearing me? Don't pile praises on me. It's not me. It's God using me. We spend too much time praising folk for what God do. You better learn how to say, give God. Give God to glory. Just know that God is using me. Don't pile praises on me. Whenever you see me walking right, don't be patting me on the back. God is using me. When you see me talking right, when you see me do my best, when you see me stand test, you don't give me the credit for that. Don't pat me on the back. That's God using me. He's using hands. He's using my hands. He's using my feet. He's using my eyes. God is using me. Y'all hear me? The reason why you can't pile praises on me is uh, because it, it, what he did for me is uh, he did it on Calvary's cross. Y'all hear me? The reason why you can't pile praises on me is uh, because everything I am is somehow wrapped up in what he did. So if you're going to give anybody credit, give him the glory. Give him the glory because he is the one who went to the cross. He's the one who shed his blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Don't praise my name. Praise his name because it's him who gave his life. Died on an old rugged cross. But the good news today is that although he died, he ain't dead. Y'all ain't hearing me. I say although he died, he ain't dead. One of I got a witness here that he lives. He lives he lives in me right now. Ask me how I know he lives. Well, let me tell you how I know. I know because every now and then, yes, I can feel him moving on the altars of my heart. Y'all ain't hearing me. Yeah. I know he lives because every now and then, when I feel myself pulling that way, He'll pull me back this way. Every now and then I feel him moving on the altars of my heart. God is real, I tell you. And he's still in charge. He's still in charge. 
And even in a time like this, even in a time like this, as crazy as the world seems now, I want to let you know that God is still in control. Don't you think? Don't you think? Don't you think for one minute that God is not aware of the evil that's around us? Don't you think for one minute that God has lost control of this world that he made? He is still in charge, still called, and everything that he has promised us, he will do it. God keeps his promise. He's made a promise that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, that thou shalt be saved. He's made that a promise. And I want you to know that he'll do what he says. If you're unsaved today, let me invite you to come. If you don't know him, let me invite you. Let me invite you today begin to move this way. If you're unsaved, come. If you're already saved, already saved, and just don't have a church covering, let me invite you to come today. Let me, let me invite you to come. Jesus, keep me near the cross.